You're listening to Fox on the Wire podcast. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Fox on the Wire. We have a huge show for you today. So uh, sit back, get comfortable because my guest today is guaranteed to talk your ears off and uh, I can't wait to get into this conversation with the one and only Bob Crane. Welcome, Bob. Thanks, Craig. Uh, Mr. Acoustic Fox, it is my pleasure to be here in, uh, in South Morang uh, and uh, my honour to be uh, asked to come on your little sh- your show and, and uh, uh, you know, talk about uh, all things music. Yes, uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Nice to see you again. It's yes, been a little while. It's been a while. Um, uh, we go back a long ways and uh, uh, playing gigs together and, and uh, you know, sort of uh, palling around in the gig venues and shooting pool. And we even had one guy come up and mistake us in a venue one time as, as, as I was your father, yes. you know, something that <laughs> will never be forgotten by yeah. either of us. You know? Had us thinking for a moment there. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, it, did. <laughs> it did put us at you. We did think, well, is it possible? Yeah. Um, but uh, no, it's uh, uh, it's. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be here and, and get a chance to uh, spew about music, which is one of my favorite things. So um, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's get know? into it. So welcome to 2020. What's on the cards this year? Well, what's on the cards this year? Um, as much as uh, uh, gigging with the band uh, as possible. Um, uh, my band Ashbury Medicine Show uh, has gone through numerous incarnations over the years. Um, the name remains the same, but the people have have uh, have changed. Uh, at the moment, we have uh, um, a couple of multi instrumentalists and and uh, another vocalist. Um, so uh, it, it's a real good mix uh, of people at the moment, and everybody seems to be pitching in and and trying their hardest. Um, so, uh, as many gigs as possible. And, and, um, for that, we need to have some material, uh, recorded. So that's probably the next thing box we need to tick off. Uh, I'll probably do solo shows as well, um, as they come along, um, and possibly a bit of recording of my own stuff. And then of course there's songwriting and, uh, guitar playing and, all of the other things, uh, you know, promotion and marketing and website updates and all the other things that we musicians have to do that yep. um, are part of the job yep. uh, that we don't get paid for. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, that's just the way it is. Yeah, you're a, a musician with a, with a day job. You always make a point a, of that. Musician with a day job um, <laughs> and have had, uh, you know, for uh, you know, a long period of time. and. I don't mind that because, um, unfortunately, the music business at the local music level scene that that we exist in um, doesn't pay a living wage. Uh, probably, if even if you were gigging every night, um, uh, you know. And and I know many people who teach and who do uh, you know who do other things. Um, uh, to uh, be able to play music as well, um, uh, you know, I have, I, I do what I, I do what I do, and I know I can make um, enough money to uh, keep the foxes away from the door, you know, or the wolves, and this, you know, um, so uh, 
yeah, I, I, I live with that issue. Yep. And so do you. I think a lot of us do, to be honest. Yeah. But, yeah. Even musicians got to eat. Yeah. 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 Well, um, when we used to play a lot of shows together, um, I was doing more of the band. I had like more of a band scenario. And I remember you making the comment that there was a lot of different members coming through and adding more members. But I think your revolving door at the Ashby Medicine Show is uh, is even more active, different members all the time. and Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the bad – I mean, that's – the hardest thing about a band is keep is getting it together, and then the next hardest thing is keeping it together. You know, yep. Especially at our level, where everybody's got other things to do. Everybody has, uh, you know, work, kids, this, that, whatever. You know, um, so to make time to to rehearse uh, gigs um, and so on and so forth sometimes become an, an issue. Um, people have you know other agendas you know that they want to that they you know want to get into and they and they move along or or whatever the case is. Fortunately, in in all the um, the bands that I've been in, uh, there's never been any level of animosity that I can't go have a cup of coffee with anybody that I've ever been in a band with previously. You know, so um, that's one of the good things about it is, is being able to um, keep that um, level of camaraderie, whether you're playing or not. And, and uh, you know, um, uh, guys who I have been in bands with before, I've played gig with, gigs with, with new bands that they're in, or I've gone and, uh, uh, you know, um, one of them I went and, and did the opening act for his uh, album launch, you know, um, you know, sort of last couple, couple of years ago. So that's really important. I mean, there's a, there is a level of community with musicians that um, would be great if it could be fostered to a, a higher level, but um, it still exists, you know, as you know, I mean, we're sitting here, Yep. Um, having played together, having been in collectives together, having you know uh, done um, different things, and like you've been through, uh, but it, it, you know, so you've always had acoustic fox, and mm. it's always been acoustic fox. And if new people have come on board, if you've had uh, you know Michael playing bass, or you've had um, somebody else playing this, or somebody else playing that, it's always been acoustic fox, and that's one of the things that that I took from you is that you know that. Um, Keep the name, so it's always mm. been Ashbury Medicine Show. Yep. Um, and uh, I've always been, you know, sort of the the uh, well. <laughs> yes, I've always been the main person because it's basically my band. But um, as people have come and gone for various reasons, the search to find, uh, and and there's so many things involved in that, you know. If you live too far away, mm. um, it's difficult to do rehearsals. If you're more than 20 minutes away from rehearsal, it's always going to wind up being a struggle. Yep. And, and you have to like the music that's being played. If mm. it's not your, you know, if, it's, if you want to play blues, you're not going to be last very long in my folk rock, folk rock band. Yeah. I mean, that's just, and, and, I, and I'm not going to last very long in somebody's blues band. I no. Mean, it's just the way it is. So there's, you know, and, uh, you know, there's a, 
small circle of friends yeah that um that fits and you've got the same issue with your people you know mm-hmm. i mean it's um only certain people fit and then you've got personality fits as well and yep. instrument fits you know i mean there's no sense having five guitar players yep i don't know even though they're That'd maybe cool. the greatest guys in the world <laughs> you know um and so you've got to try and fit in everything you know you know and uh, and i have songs about this as well um but uh management of that and i the management's probably not a really good word for it but um uh, keeping that all together holding it all together is um uh, you know a difficult you know can be difficult at mm, times uh, absolutely um you know and I, I think a lot of the rotating players like bass players and drummers and even guitarists you know a lot of the time they're maybe already in another band um and I keep especially bass players and drummers I think bass players have always been the worst for me in any scenario yeah. like just trying to find them and um and that sort of thing but yeah they're generally doing other things as well so it comes back to you as the main the main player and it's nice to be able to be able to go out there solo if you have to um and and come back to the the root of the and that that's one thing that you and I can always fall back on. Yeah. Is you know, I mean if, it, if all else fails, I'm not going to stop playing because I can go play solo because I've I, you know, I'm I'm a song, I, you know, I'm a, I I can play guitar and I can sing and I can write songs, you know. Um but that's one that is a big issue what you say is as far as uh, especially with <laughs> bass players and um and drummers, but even singers and guitar players and and you know, um I found it very difficult to work with uh, people that are in more than one band. Yep. And the reason is, is because too many times there's conflicting dates. There's conflicting dates with rehearsal. There's conflicting dates with gigs. And, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, I I want to be I w- I want to be the number one. I want to. I mean, if you want to, mm. you know, and I'm you're, I'm sure you're the same way that yep. you know. I mean, if you're going to play in my band, I want that to be this band. If you got, you know, my uh, one of my um, multi instrumentalists who plays, you know, bass, violin, and guitar, he does some classical gigs. You know, um, uh, so every now and then he's got to you know practice a little bit for his classical gigs, and he this is something a regular thing that you know. Um, it's that time again. Um, anyway, uh, so I can live with that. But if you're in a full time, another sort of full time band or you know local band that's playing you know a couple gigs a month or whatever, it is, it's just too difficult um, to learn the material. Especially with me and you doing original material, it's a it's a little bit different. It's not like you know you're playing covers. Yeah. That you know, you easy to sort of sit down and do this. This is original material that you know you got to work out parts for, and yeah. yeah, you know that kind of stuff. The other players need to know the uh, need to know the songs. So um, news today: are, are you a Rush fan, Bob? Uh, I saw the news. Yeah, um, but I'm not a. I I, I wouldn't. Uh, I'm sorry, but I wouldn't know who. Um, I, I know who Rush is. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not. They're not. I'm not a fan. No, me either. But that doesn't matter, you know. No, um, uh, you know. Neil Pert, the drummer, passed away. Yeah, 
today or yesterday. Um, I had a bit of a look into how he passed, and it looks like he was battling brain cancer for the last three years, sort of in secret. So, but uh, it's a you know, um, I'm in a, a little bit older than you. I'd hate to admit that, but I am. <laughs> and so the people that um, that I uh, grew up with, that I hold dear as far as musicians go, are um, pushing into their 80s and, and uh, you know, mid-80s and, and beyond. Yep. Um, and unfortunately, some have um, gone, um, you know, to... Two of the Jefferson Airplane have have, have mm-hmm. passed on. Um, uh, you know, one of the Eagles, um, and and the list goes on and on. But um, the at least they've left something on the table. Oh, huge! You know, absolutely. You know, yeah. all these people have left something on the table for us, um, uh, which is never going to uh, never going to go away. Um, so that's a good that's a good thing. Yeah, from what I understand, nobody's getting out of here alive. No, <laughs> you probably don't want to stick around too long either. <laughs> no, well, you, know, I mean, you know, that who's who's to say? You yeah, know, I mean, and and battling, uh, you know, things that are uh, you know debilitating to the point where you can't do anything. Um, uh, you know, it would be very difficult. I mean, you look at Linda Ronstadt, you know, one of the greatest singers, maybe ever and maybe forever. Um, She's got, uh, you know, uh, you know, onset of Alzheimer's disease, and she's made the decision not to not not to sing publicly. Yeah. You know? Um. So as not to embarrass herself, you know. But yeah. she's left enough. You know, she's she's done enough. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. that's. Um. I'd love to. I guess that's one of my goals as a musician is to leave a lifetime of work behind that sort of matters to someone and to some people that really is a a huge goal for me because as a fan of music um you know you lose someone well like neil pert even though he's just the drummer you know he's been in that band (laughs) for years and decades and he's part of that whole thing and um it's very important to leave behind a legacy you know famous or not you know it's uh, you know it, it is it's value. It has value to, to to leave something behind, um, whether it's music or whether it's art or or whatever the case may be. Um, uh, it it's it has it has value, and and yeah, you know, I want to do the same thing. I want to you know leave mm. a you know a bit of a footprint, and uh, as to you, and if you know people listen to it and somebody hears it down the track. Um, uh, and goes, oh, that, that was, yeah, you know, that was really good stuff or, uh, you know, great. Um, if nobody but my kids ever listen to it, well, you know, or even if they don't listen to it, you know, maybe my grandkids, if you know, if I ever have any. Yeah, um, they dig it out 20 years later yeah, and exactly. this, is, this is grandpa's yeah. record yeah. that he made. And we wouldn't be putting so much into it. And I, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of the things I don't think a lot of people that aren't musicians don't really understand how much we we put into it mm-hmm. um and how much it means to us sometimes to uh um the whole process you know how much it means to us sometimes um because really 
if it didn't mean something to you, you wouldn't do it, would you? Not for long, no. No, <laughs> not for very long. Holy exactly. shit, this is too hard. I'm not doing this <laughs> it's anymore. It's hard work here. You know, yeah. it's hard work. Yeah, and it, and it's um, but you know, if it didn't have some kind of uh mental reward force, mm. um, uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't keep doing it. Yeah. You know? Well, the last episode I did with uh, Fisher, we were talking about songwriting and how it's basically a, a cathartic thing to help you get out what you need to get out and it's a it's um it's a therapy of sorts you know and you often hear musicians talk about that i guess but it really is you know i, I turn to music uh in in so many uh, you know when i'm in a in a tough place mentally or you know that's i pick up my guitar and off i go yeah and and that is um that you know Songwriting is, um, like, if if I describe myself, I describe myself as a uh, songwriter, singer, guitarist, um, because that's the most, to me, the uh, the the most important thing mm. is um, is songwriting. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's um, uh, you know, and and you want to, you know. Um, you want to get uh, more proficient at it. You want to be able to do it, do it better. And, and um, but I think that the essence of of songwriting is inspiration. And sometimes, um, as Jackson Brown once said, you know, um, some songs are not meant to be sung at the best of times. Mm. You know, so mm. it's it's you know, like you say, you know, sometimes you're in a deep dark place. Mm. Um, song you know i mean the, the songs the, the songs can churn out from that yep. they can churn out from being uh, you know in a in a great place um uh, you know and so i've and then listening to fisher uh, is just you know i mean I, I sort of thought a little bit more about well i think about it a lot but you know um songwriting in the sense that uh, you know um, you know uh what's what provides inspiration for songwriting? Mm. And, you know, the answer to that question is just about everything can provide, can, yeah. can provide inspiration for songwriting. Yep. You know, uh, the world around us is, you know, um, uh, full of all kinds of things to write songs about. And I get, you know, I mean, it's a bit of a joke with the band and me, you know, that, you know, something gets said and, you know, and, and um, it's, Oh, there, there's a there's probably a song in that, Bob. You know, um, and there probably is. Yeah. You know, there probably is uh, a song in that. Um, uh, in just about everything, whether whether you have the time to, uh, I mean, it's you know, it's such a a marvelous, uh, almost uh, spiritual. You know, I don't know. It's mis- mystic. It's more. It's a mystic thing mm. to, for me, anyway. Songwriting, and that um, I have never sat down and r- wrote a song. I never said, "Oh, I'm going to write a song today." Yeah. I'm not one of these um, write a song every day persons. You know, um, they just get delivered into my head. Yeah, <laughs> you know, in the, from God, <laughs> you know, <laughs> from somewhere, you know, from the patron saint of songwriting, whoever he is, you know, um, uh, you know, and I can remember, it, um, uh, you know, uh, driving down St. Kilda Road to work one morning, and and 
just bang it. Just, you know, I don't know what, what brought it on, but, you know, I pulled over to the side of the road and, and, and basically wrote the song down, uh, you know, sitting on St. Kilda road. Yeah. Um, I can remember t- doing a similar thing to, uh, the opening track on my, uh, humanology 101 CD. Um, I was going, I was in new South Wales. I, I was up there, um, uh, you know, doing dog business and, um, and it just hit me, you know, and I pulled off into a dirt road on this, uh, you know, and, and wrote, um, the meaning of this song. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, is, is a mist, is mystical shit, you know? I mean, how does that happen? Yeah. You know? Well, clearly you've got a notepad in your car ready to go all the time. <laughs> all, exactly. And I, and I carry one with me all the time. Yeah. You know? Well, um, uh, the last episode, I was, don't you? Uh, no, I, I in the car, I've, I um, I've got the voice recorder on the phone, oh, right. ready to go. But I've got a notepad in my bag all the time, and and that sort of thing, and like a hundred around the house. But uh, <laughs> I still like the idea of pen to paper. Yeah, yeah. On the um, the last episode I did with a young songwriter, her name was uh, Leon. Uh, she's like a soul singer, um, and we were talking about, you know, when inspiration hits and I think she had the same thing as me is when you're in the shower, all these things come, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. it's a bit hard to have a notepad in there yeah, and your phone. So sure. it's a bit you of know? a dilemma. Yeah. But you do have, I mean, but it is, it's, it's, I've written any number of songs while, uh, while driving, you know, where I've had to pull over to the side of the road because they, you know, something is, has hit me. Um, but I'm constantly writing uh, notes down, <clears throat> you know, maybe it's just a, a three word uh, idea. Yeah. Phrases know, it, and such. Yeah. Phrases. Yeah, yeah. Is it a line for a song? Is it, uh, yeah. you know, and then, and then I log them. And at some point in time, you've got to, yeah, you got to sit down and look at them and see if there's a, if there's a jigsaw puzzle there where that the pieces fit together. They don't mm. always do. There's nothing there is, is you know, when you've got, you know, a hundred notes, there isn't something necessarily that says, oh, you know, although that goes with that and that goes, that was this idea and it was, you know. Um, and on other times it just comes out as a whole song. It just goes, yep, you know. Done. It's done. And and then, of course, there's the musical side of it. You know, lyrics are just poems without music and, and, you know, instrumentals are just instrumentals without lyrics. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't know how you do it, but I know that there's infinite different ways to 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 write songs. You know, and I'm probably everybody's got their own. Mine, mine always come lyrics first. Okay. Uh, you know, um, and then I find uh, uh, the uh, the music that fits that mood, or you know, however. It, turns out you know mm. i'd like to do more collaboration with other people yeah yeah you know um uh and i have been able to collaborate on some songs and the and the band at the moment is actually um uh being a little bit more um proactive in um helping me to reconstruct or construct um um works uh, which I get, you know, as long as they don't take any of the words out, I'm all right. <laughs> you know, I'm a bit precious about that, but I have, um, uh, you know, and, and it's a, it's a, 
it's a process too. Um, with me, I have no uh, longing for writing a commercial song as such. You know, I want to write good songs and hopefully that they, um, they're, they're successful in a commercial world, but I never look at it and say, oh, is this, you know, is this song going to be a, a hit song? Mm. Um, that's not the purpose, you know, behind what I write. Um, and, uh, that's not to say that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that, you know, it, it just doesn't come to me that, that way. Mm. You know? Um, hopefully, you know, I mean, somebody picks up on him one of these days and says, um, you know, I mean, that, um, that's a great song, you know, I mean, um, you know, we should play that on the radio, you know, um, but I don't know that that's necessarily means success either, to tell no, you the truth. You know? I think it's a different thing these days. You don't just have to have a good song. I think there's a lot more in the equation, um, that goes into getting on the, the main radio stations anyway. It's not yeah, like yeah. you just send uh, Triple M your CD and they're going to... And they're going to play it. Yeah. Although there is a show on Triple M, I think. Oh, uh, there, there are, you know, I mean, there's, there, there are opportunities yeah. out there with radio stations and with, um, I mean, there's so many mm. uh, avenues. Um, you know, <laughs> I have a song about that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <You know? laughs> it's actually, as a matter of fact, it's on my, uh, my live CD, um, which I did in 2017, which I brought a copy of for you oh thank you um uh which is a, a digital download available from my website um bobcrane.com.au it's yes www.com.bob no www.bobcrane.com.au that's correct in an um uh and i decided it to do it as a digital download because um cds just are a great promotional tool, but they're not, um, people aren't buying CDs, uh, you know, that much anymore, which is a pity, but that's just the way it goes. Uh, anyway, so the song um, about the music industry called The Gold Rush of 2000 says that very thing. You know, there's so many uh, sites to crack. Um, there's just so many uh, sites uh, that you can send your music to or um uh you know um you know all kinds of things like triple r and um you know unearthed and and uh, then there's ways you can send um uh, apra has a system that you can send um uh, you know your cds and they distribute it out to the community and and regional uh stations is that amrap amrap yep. yes uh uh, which I have taken advantage of in the past. Um, that they're just, you know, there's just so many of them. Actually, there's there's so many of them that you can't actually uh, keep up with it all. No. You know? um, so there is, you know, there, there's all those opportunities out there um, for submissions of all kinds. You can submit for <clears throat> movies and radio and internet radio and, and all of these things. But you have to be, uh, and I've learned over the years, um, uh, there's, been, there's some very good ones, 
Uh, and then there's some other ones that really aren't worth the trouble, yep. uh, you know, to, to, to go, to, to go through, you know? So, um, and you only, that's, so you only learn that by experience, you know, is, you know, well, that one didn't do, do me much good. No, you know? can I have my but CD one, back, yeah, please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, and it's a, the music industry has changed from what I knew it as, what you knew it as, to what we both knew it, know it as now. Um, it's, it's just, you know, the music business has just changed and, and, um, we have to live with it. We do and work within it and think of different ways to get our music out there. But, um, yeah, like you said, there's so many, there's so much ground to cover and it kind of all comes back to you unless you've got people sort of working for you. And, you know, it's even harder when you're a solo artist, I think, because, you know, you've got to write the songs, you've got to book the gigs, you've got to rehearse the songs, you've got to record, you've got to promote, pay, pay for it all. You've got to do the poster, you've yeah. got to pay for it all, you've yeah. got to, yeah, you know. Um, Which is fine, because there's no one to argue with yeah. about all that. <laughs> yeah, but there, there is that, <laughs> you know. There is that. Um, uh, you know, and there's, there's a certain level of satisfaction in, in playing solo. There's no doubt about that. Um, uh, but there's also a... a, a another level of satisfaction of playing with a band and, and creating the songs in a, yeah. you know, with numerous instruments and voices and everything else and getting, you know, doing that. So, um, uh, and I'm, I'm enjoying that process, uh, you know, right now, even though, you know, bands are hard work sometimes. Yeah. You know? Um, and, but, but like you say, if it's, uh, you know, where there's all these things that you have to do and venues expect, you know, venues have expectations, you know, that sometimes, um, their expectations are higher than what um, anyone would be able to deliver. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it's not like we all have a bus, a fan bus that no. goes around and picks up, uh, you know, all of our fans <laughs> and brings them to the vineyard. Yeah, uh, there's an idea. Yeah, there's yeah. an idea in the fan bus. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, you know. Uh, that is a that's a huge issue for us in that um you get a gig on a thursday night um you do the promotion you send out the posters you put it on every gig guide uh, known to man and you you get it in uh, in the street press um and then yeah you know and you've delivered the posters and then you go down to the venue the posters aren't up the venue hasn't done any advertising and you go, well, gee, that was, you know, you know, I mean, what do you, what are you doing for your business? You know, because this is your business, you know, you're the one selling the beer here. Exactly. Um, others are, others are very good and, 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 and promote, you know, do, do a lot of promotion and, and support the um, uh, musicians in that way. And then, they then have the same issue when they do that and they expect the musician to do uh, some level of self-promotion and they don't, the, no posters get delivered, nothing gets put up on, uh, uh, you know, on social media and uh, the band rocks up and, and goes, oh, well, how come nobody's here? I mean, it's a, it, 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 the retail food and beverage industry is a hard gig mm -hmm. you know and it gets harder every day and we can tell by the number of venues that close down on a regular basis yeah um 
so we have to understand that as musicians that are out there looking to gig on the, in the local music scene. We have to understand that. But on the other hand, it works both ways. And sometimes, you know, it can be frustrating um, venues' expectations that just putting some uh, musicians on, live music on, is somehow going to attract people to that venue. Um, when uh, the venue's poorly located, there's no parking, there's uh, the, the toilets, um, you know, or um, um, not really that. <laughs> People want comfort nowadays too. Is yeah. it, it, when they go out, it's not you know because they they don't have to go to those venues. So um, and so you get you know you, you you know you get the friends and family that'll come to your gigs, but that'll only last for so long. Yeah. as we know, yes, the friends and family crowd. Yep, um, and they won't come to every gig because they get you know sick of hearing it, and, and I you know. I don't have that much family or friends for that matter <laughs> to really <laughs> to, to fill places up. Um, you want to be playing in front of new people. You want, you want people that don't know your music mm. to be there. And, uh, you know, and to, uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the greatest gift you can get at the, and, you know, and sort of playing local live music scene is, you know, for somebody that you've never heard you for, would come up afterwards and say, yeah. hey, man, I, I really like that. I really liked your stuff, man. That was, that was, you know, really good. It was, you know, um, that makes it, you know, uh, you know, I mean, you can walk away glowing when you get a bit of that. Yeah. You know? That's all you are really after sometimes, really. If it's somebody that's never heard you before, for your, for your, your, your wife or your kids to come up and say that, or your, or your friends to come and say, oh, you guys are great tonight. Yeah. You know, is uh it has value but you know of course what are they going to say mm. they're going to say yeah man you guys really t- sounded like shit tonight <laughs> you know can you especially when you're giving him a lift home <laughs> yeah exactly and you got to give him a lift up and yeah. you bought him beer you know um so uh, you know it is it, it's hard um it's hard uh it's it's hard work um but we keep doing it you know, so it's, it's maybe it's not that hard, you know. Um, but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of spokes in that wheel. There is, you know? yeah. Look, it, it does get you down sometimes, just the whole process. But at the end of the day, it comes back to the songwriting. There's no way I could just turn away, sell my guitars, and um, do something else. I mean, even if it, you know, I stop playing gigs and shut down all my social media accounts which does get tempting at times (laughs) and uh you know i'd still write songs at home because that's where it started really you know exactly i'd still be doing this i'd still be i mean like i've told the band before um if this doesn't go on um i can sit in my room and play and write songs Mm. and and uh, you know i'm going to be I'm, you know, I'm going to be happy doing that. Yep. You know, that so it, I'm not. I, you know, I mean that we everybody has to make an effort to to um, to, you know, to get the the job done. But um, you know, at the moment I've got um, probably about twenty plus songs of finished lyrics that are sitting there with no music, mm. and another twenty or so uh, half finished 
lyrics. Yeah. Um, so I have a fair catalog of work in front of me that I have to do. If if I stop playing gigs, you know, I I'd probably I'd at least be able to finish all that off. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you in the same boat? Do you have a a, a catalog of unfinished stuff? Yeah, I was just going to say. I mean. We've crossed into 2020 now and, you know, I released an album last year and did a whole bunch of gigs and videos and this year I'm feeling a little bit lost but, you know, I haven't got any shows booked and I'm like, what am I going to, what do I want to do this year? But right now and, you know, sort of towards the end of last year, I've got a lot of new song ideas and I've been really, instead of sort of rehearsing, I've been writing a lot and working on these new songs, um, you know, even just for an hour a night, just to, you know, sort of um, see what I'd done the previous night. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I've got to record everything, so I've got a thousand little phone demos. But that's how I remember. So, to be honest, quite at the moment, I'm quite happy doing this podcast and working on some new songs and just seeing what comes out. Um, so that's sort of where I'm at. At the start of 2020, and you know, I want to do some recording, um, probably more home demoing first. So I might hang in the shadows for the for a little while, and then <laughs> come out with the whole bunch of new songs. Yeah, and it's it's always you know, I mean, always good to to, to slot a gig in there because it sort of separates you from yeah uh, from from the songwriting and it and you you know you you know you're you're, you're playing yeah. Um, so with New songs, do you um, sort of have the, uh, I mean, the, like I rarely take them outside of my bedroom until I've learned them to a point that I can um, uh, demonstrate them to the band or I can play them, uh, you know, uh, you know, they're ready to go live, yeah. you know. You sort of go, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people go, so I wrote this song yesterday. <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> no, that's definitely not me. No. I can't do that. No, you know? no, no, no. I want it to be sharp before I take it, uh, you know, take it on the road, you know? Yeah. Um, but like I said, I would like to do more collaboration with some of these songs that I've got sitting in the backlog, but um, that also takes a bit of work as well, you know? Um you have to be flexible if you're going to collaborate. Mm. Um, uh, and I think I've sort of developed a little bit more flexibility um, in these things and can and probably uh, do a bit more collaboration and, and work a bit more with other people. Um, but it's, uh, it yet remains to be seen at this point in time. Um, I noticed that Mark, Last time uh, when he he was speaking, there was this there was a bit of a discussion about changing songs, mm. um, and I have uh, you know uh, changed songs in the sense that the band has said, okay, well, no, let's it's too long, let's leave that verse out, or uh, you know, let's rearrange this or change the lead or move it here rather than that you know. And those, but rarely have I ever, <laughs> <laughs> rarely have I ever gone back to a finished song uh, and changed it to a, uh, a level that, you know, um, and I can only remember two that I've ever done this on where I, I've, I've found a, there's a new lyric that's come up that, had, you know, was um, over, t- over a process of time uh, that needed to be in that song, you know, so it could get, it, it wanted to get added in, you know. Mm. Um, 
but um, <coughs> arranging for the band um, is different than arranging playing solo stuff. Yeah, you know, for sure. As, as you as you well know. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so there, there's always a bit of arranging that goes on, and and um, how we're going to play this or how we're going to lead into that, and and um, especially now working with a another something I've I've never had or, or I've had very little uh, experience at is working with another vocalist. Oh yeah, okay. In the band. Yep. Um, uh, I have uh, you know in the past where there's sort of been uh, another vocalist that sort of sang his songs and I sang my songs and there was a little bit of backup going. But now with um, Anita, who is um, a very experienced former opera singer, uh, music sing singing teacher, um, you know, um, and she can play, uh, you know, instruments and, and has some, you know, written some, some good songs as well. To um, have to work the vocals in with her has been a, a new and... and uh, Quite pleasant experience, actually. You know, it was a bit tough at first because um, I'm a bit hard-headed, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, but I've certainly softened to um, her input on, on songs and, uh, the, you know, how um, she hears them um, as opposed to how I might hear them and, and been able to... Um, uh, you know, flex that, you know, and the songs that we are d doing together, um, uh, where we're, you know, there's a lot of vocals, either uh, us singing uh, together in unison or she's singing a verse and I'm singing a verse and sort of back and forth. I've, you know, well, I really like. Uh, so that's, um, that's uh, you know, um, a new experience um, for mm -hmm. me anyway, you know. Yeah. You don't, and I know you don't have much um other singing going on, you know. No. You're the you're the main you're the main man, you know. Yeah, when I had um, had the band situation, you know, Michael would do a lot of backup vocals, and he's a great singer, obviously oh, great. in his own yeah. right. And he had that higher register, yeah. so the harmony thing was pretty easy for us, and I really enjoyed that. And yeah, look, I miss I miss that. But one of my favorite things is um, a male and a female vocal together. You know, I. It's unbeatable, really. If you get the right, the right emotion, the right song, um, and I've done that on a few of my albums, but they've all been guest spots, yeah. so it's not yeah. been something that I've been able to take out, uh, you know, permanently live. So, well, I'm, and that that is, and I've always known that the one thing missing from, and I've been at it for years to try and find the additional vocal preferably female mm. um to offset my you know gravel voice um and it's uh, you know and in that sense i've been right because it has really made a you know a huge difference to to the songs um so but you know finding you know uh, you know someone there's a lot of people who um i and this is something i've found over time in in talking to different people is there's a lot of people that can sing but not necessarily that do sing okay? right when you ask them to you know okay can you know you want us to can you sing this part yep they fall apart at the seams they mm. can sing they got nice voices or whatever the case is, but to um to do it and do it live 
and do it um, well mm-hmm. and remember the words. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's always an issue. Yep. Um, and, and not that, you know, I mean, a lot of people that advertise themselves as singers, um, you know, really, um, it's a lot more work than just, you know, saying I'm, I'm a singer. Everybody, mm-hmm. everybody can sing. We can all sing, you yep. know. Um, although there's some contention about whether I can sing or not, but there's, you know, <laughs> they, they, you know, it's a, up to a, it's a matter of opinion. Um, so, be, you know, having um, this, uh, you know, uh, experience now with, um, with Anita and, uh, singing is uh, is really great, you know. It's added so much to the songs, you know. Mm-hmm. And I like you. I've had female singers come in and record, uh, you know, background vocals on on songs, um, which you know, which was great, and it, it adds to the song. But to be able to carry it live, yep. then becomes uh, you know another uh, another issue. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a Jefferson Airplane fan, fan mm-hmm. who basically had a male and lead. Male and female lead singers. Yep, that's what I hear in my head. Yeah, you know, and not only in my head, but on the radio and the, on the CD player much of the time. So I hear that, and it, it's got that. You know, it does have that. You know, I mean, Fleetwood Mac is similar. You know, mm. uh, uh, you know, some of the other ones that uh, you know that have that um, uh, male female uh, dual uh, connection. There is. Um, it works. Yeah, it's abs- you know, absolutely it one of my favorite things. Yeah. And it works especially on uh, uh you know on on the sort of folky rocky stuff that I do. Yep. Um which is very lyric oriented. Um if you're a good singer and, and and this is another thing about singing that I find very depressing um is uh what I hear nowadays so much of it is um garbled rather than mm. um, there, there's just a, a why write lyrics if you're not going to sing them clearly you know mm. i mean why bother just play the instrumental you know i mean <laughs> why bother if you're not going to sing them if, if it has no if it doesn't have enough meaning to to sing it clearly and this is what i grew up with is the song everything that that, that i listened to growing up you know neil young and Joni mitchell and the eagles and these kinds of people everything was clear as can be mm. you know you heard the lyrics you 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 knew what they were saying and you, you know whether it meant the same to you that it means to them or whatever the case is it had some yeah you know it's clear there was a clarity to it yep gee nowadays there's very you know i mean i i you know it's disappointing to hear you know when i hear other people singing and uh, you know in different and i go well i couldn't understand a word you said now maybe that's partially my old age hearing that's that's possible but it's you know i think it's a style or different styles that people are going for um but yes yeah, they put these weird sort of accent on some of the some of the words uh, i mean you even look at rap you know it used to be very clear and concise and they were some of the best um Articulators, yes, in, in all music, yeah. and now you've got this there was whole no mumble doubt rap. about it. Yeah, there was no doubt about what they were saying. Yeah. You know, if, whether you liked it or not, it was there was no doubt about what they were saying. Yeah, you know? they were really crisp with their articulation, yeah. and it was really, really great to hear. Actually, and uh, made me listen as a singer. You know, even though they weren't singing, but it was you know still. But yeah, now there's this whole mumble rap thing and. 
and then I just, you know, I mean, to me, I look at it and I go, you know, and, and one thing is for sure in, in there are there's no facts in music, just opinions, you know? So anything that I say is merely my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wonder what the value of the song is if it's not being sung clearly enough to, um, articulated enough to get the message across what's yeah. the message if you know it's like reading a book with you know hieroglyphics in it yeah <laughs> you know why bother yeah uh, um so that's you know i mean that's one of the things out there that and, and like you say it's almost a trend um and even with rap um uh, and i know a lot of the old rappers you know when you hear them now i mean they're they're still very clear yeah you know um I mean, I've been lucky with, with one of my songs, um, from my first CD, the hippies were right, uh, was discovered by a rapper in California, um, who, uh, a song called, um, uh, Forsaken Veterans of the Drug Wars. And, uh, he, my song sort of took it up to 1980 and him being younger than me had another chapter, right. you know? And as a rapper, and he, he got in touch with me, and he said, look, can I take your song and, and reproduce it with my rap in it? You know? And so it's sort of a folk rap fusion song, um, which I really love. I mean, what he's done with it. You know? and, and we've even had a further discussion um, that the war's still going on, and do we, do we need to do another, um, do we do a, need to do another chapter? You yeah. know, in in this uh, particular story, and and uh, you know maybe we do. It's a long war. Uh, it's a very long war. Um, yeah. So that you know, I mean, songwriting, uh, you know, is the is the essence of of what we do. Then we've got to present it um, vocally, and then we get into a little thing called playing guitar. You know. Mm-hmm. Which you know, <laughs> I you know, I'm not really a guitar player. I mean, I can play guitar. <laughs> oh, now you tell us. <laughs> there's probably not many people that that don't disagree that, that will disagree with that. You know, um, I can play guitar, and and I can and I have developed an uh, an understanding of music theory, which is one of the things that probably kept me from writing songs earlier in my life was my lack of understanding of music theory. Um, and, uh, you know, so, and then it, so it's, I've also had to get better at playing guitar and especially as a solo player, um, to, uh, diversify, uh, what I'm playing. Uh, and my my style of playing and to change um uh you know strumming finger picking electric guitar acoustic guitar um uh different styles of 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 playing different rhythms different um uh, you know these kinds of things so you got to when you're when you're doing a solo show especially and get pretty boring just playing, you know, mm. like that. You know, yep. and I've and this is something I've had to learn as I go along. That you know, I mean, um, after the fifth or sixth song, playing it, you know, sort of, um, you know, three chord Monty, um, you know, people turn off. Mm. You've got to have some, you know, something in there. You yeah. got to have some space. That's another thing that yes. I, that I um, 
I've had to develop is is putting space into songs that um, I fill them up with lyrics. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there was no space for anything else, and I've had to shorten my songs. I've had to learn to get you know get the message delivered in less than 20 minutes, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? Less than 10 or 12 verses. Yeah, you got to, you know, you got to, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of places you can't submit a song that's longer than, ready, <laughs> you know. But then again, I don't succumb to the three minutes, 40 second uh, um, uh, theory either, that if a song's uh, more than three minutes and 40 seconds, nobody's going to listen to it. That's you know? over very quickly. <laughs> I've only just got to the second exactly, verse. Exactly, you know. Shit. I, exactly, I haven't got... I haven't got the message out yet. The true, the I haven't painted the picture, you yeah. know. Um, and sometimes, you know, some stories take longer to tell. And and when you think about it, the long songs. If you look back and say, "Well, yes, I know they're not in fashion nowadays," but if you look back through history and think of the songs that we wouldn't have mm. if it wasn't for long songs, uh, you know, um, "Hotel California," "Stairway to Heaven," uh, "Piano Man." Um, the list goes on and on mm. of songs that were just, you know, on the top 10 greatest songs of all time list that uh, went for longer than three minutes and 40 seconds. Yeah. yeah. Well, your, you know, your stuff reminds me more of the, the Neil Young or Bob Dylan era. Yeah. And they were all long songs, you know, very, very long Dylan songs. Dylan was as long-winded as they come. Yeah. So, and so was Neil on occasion. And, you know, he huh? sang just about as many words as you do. So, <laughs> maybe. You know, you try and, you try and yeah. remember a Dylan song, you oh, know. I mean, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. Actually, yeah. I did try and learn one once. Um, can't remember which one, but there was just too many words. You know. Simple as that. And yeah. I'm not one of those ones, not one of those musicians that likes to take a a music stand on stage and have lyrics in front of me or even worse an iPad oh, that's even worse yeah. yes, you know, different you're if you're playing covers you're going like this yeah you know? nah. um, and I've, I'm, I'm yeah you know it, it's unfortunate with with original music and and uh, in the in bands um, that songs can't be necessarily learned that uh, you know that quickly um, and so they've had the the band's pretty much, you know, weaned off the uh, the music stands now, which I'm I'm very happy about because yep. they don't look uh, they don't look great on stage no. music stands. Um, that's one thing if you're playing uh, cover gigs. Well, not I mean cover gigs. You should know the song. You shouldn't have yeah. to have them with cover gigs. Mm. Um, but the um, if you're playing piano or you're playing music pieces and you have the you know the music mm. in front of you. You know that's a that's sort of a different story. But um, uh, the wordy songs, like you say, I mean, and I used to, you know, when I did play cover songs, and and we all probably start out doing that. Um, you know, I had so many of them in my head. You know, mm. I could just rattle them off one right after mm. another. But when you get to a Dylan song, any one of these songs, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, Memphis Blues or uh, even Lady, you know, Hurricane or or some of these songs that, you know, um, uh, hard, you know, hard to, you know, I mean, I think the hardest song I've ever heard sung and heard and played and remember is the, the Billy Joel song, um, We Didn't Start the Fire. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, how in the world can you remember, remember that, you know? Yeah. And he's played it live on stage, and how in the world he could bloody re- remember those words, even if you sung them a hundred times, mm. how you could remember them, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, even if you're up there on stage reading from lyrics and trying to keep up with all those Bob Dylan lyrics, I, I can't read that fast. No, so, you can't. Yeah. And it's, there's, to me, there's nothing that confuses me more 
uh, on stage, and I, I mean, like I have never done it. You know, I've never, I, I, I never um, have have done it, even from the days I was playing open mics stuff. I did, you mm-hmm. know, I learned the song before I took it out there. Yeah, but um, I found that uh, other people, and you know, I can remember we had a, a drummer one time that you know insisted on having the sheets up there, but he'd get lost. Mm. You know, I mean, it's very hard to follow a sheet. I get lost with the set list, <laughs> but I'd be lost without yeah, it too. Somebody tell me what song we're going to force to yeah. be playing next. You know, um, but that—that's and that to me the biggest problem with it is that from here to here to here, mm. um, something's going to get lost. Something's yep. going to somebody. You know, and I like I wouldn't. You know, I I hate to admit it, but I have forgot the words on occasion. Um, uh, even to my own songs, which me you know, too. Seems, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'd rather do that because I can generally correct that mistake. Yep. Then, then try to <laughs> then be up there with a sheet in front of me trying because it it does the other thing it does is it takes a uh, uh, it takes your attention off the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it that there's a it breaks that connection that yep. you've got going with the audience. You it know, takes you uh, takes your focus away from what's in front of you. Yeah, uh, being the yeah. audience. Yeah, and, um, and, and and it's just like you're trying to get it out rather than mm. it coming out naturally. And it's hard to it's hard to sing with passion when you're um, reading it off the sheet. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. I mean, and passion and delivery is so important. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, especially with the kind of stuff that we do, man. If if mm. if you can't deliver it with with passion, um, I mean, you're, you know, you're especially up there, man. I can, I, you know, that's one of the things I always enjoyed about your singing is that, you know, man, and, and your delivery is, is you deliver it with passion, you know, mm. and, and it's always been a, uh, you know, um, a thing about all the people that I've listened to is, is, you know, do they deliver with passion? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, you know Neil, you know Joni, and um, you know they their delivery when they got up stage. You know, I mean, they were delivering their songs with a with a passion that, yep. that you know you knew what they meant. They meant what they were singing. They didn't write it for any for no reason. They mm. just make it up on the day. You know, so um, passion and delivery is you know, and it's pretty hard to do that when you're reading it off a sheet. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so we you know we agree on that point anyway. You know. Um, so in in you know how how are we um you know go you what you know I mean are we gonna run out of tape here you know uh, let me check no, mm-hmm. tape reels looking good the so, tape reels looking good yeah so, no we're good you know you know I suppose we've you know we've talked about numerous things um well I was gonna ask you um you were born and raised in California. I was born in California, and I went to school in California. And then, as of you know, um, after high school, I moved to Cal- to Hawaii, and that's really where I developed into a human being. You know, that's um, good. Up to that point in time, what I was were you before that? Kid. I was just a kid. <laughs> you know, I, w- I was just a was just a child. Um, so everything that you know that. Uh, I mean, I suppose everything that comes out of any of us, any of us is, you know, a result of our history and our upbringing and all of that kind of stuff. But I have a lot of, um, I have a lot of Hawaii, uh, and, I, and 
I've got a song about that. Of course. <laughs> um, uh, I have a lot of the Hawaiian spirit um, in me and in, it, in everything I do and in the way I go about living and living my life. Um, like I say, I, I, I went from being a kid to being a, a human being, um, a grown-up human being um, in Hawaii. So I, I, whenever you know, I'm asked, where are you from? I, I will always say Hawaii first because at the end of the day, that's where you know, my head and my heart are, are from. Yep. Um, but yes, I was um, raised in, in California, in Los Angeles, and, and so I grew up with, um, uh, from the Beach Boys to, uh, you know, and, and Motown and um, that sort of level of stuff. And the Beatles were just coming on, but we're still in there. Uh, you know, I want to hold your hand. Yep. <laughs> you know, she loves you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, phase. Until along came, uh, and, and I think the first album that I bought uh, in the next era of music was um, Bob Dylan, um, the Blue Album. You know, it had you know Mr. Tambourine on it, and 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 that, and then it just you know went from there to the Buffalo Springfield, and the Moody Blues, and the Jefferson Airplane, the Grateful Dead, um, and so on and so forth. You know, I mean, I am Woodstock generation through and through. Um, uh, you know, all of those acts that, that played at Woodstock were um, uh, on my playlist. Were you there? No, I wasn't there. In spirit. Um, but, you know, and I won't claim that I was. And, I, and, 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 and as far as I know, there's only one person that I know of who I can actually say that I'm, I'm absolutely sure that when he said he was there, he was there. Okay. And uh, he actually lives in Australia uh, now as well, you know. But um, the I have been to a couple of other festivals, uh, which were also very big festivals. We, the there was originally the the Newport Folk and Rock Festival was sort of a bit of a an annual circulating thing. Um, and uh, when I was a senior in high school, uh, they they had a three day festival at a racetrack. Um, right down the street from my high school at a place called Devonshire Downs. And I've actually got the poster from it, um, uh, you know, on my computer. Um, and so, I mean, it was Creedence Clearwater. Uh, uh, so all of that continues after, da, 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 you know, I mean, I could, can't name them all off, you know. Um, and I was at that one. Um, I was also at uh, the Atlanta Rock Festival in 1970, um, which actually had more people than Woodstock. But of course, Woodstock was the, you know, was the, the mm. original. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, um, every festival after that, although Devonshire Downs was before that in the same year, um, every festival after that was, you know, uh, compared to Woodstock. Um, they didn't make a movie of... of of, of Atlanta, um, but um, I did see Jimi Hendrix. Well, there, 
Um, well, they played the Star Spangled Banner. It happened to be on July Fourth, oh. uh, you know, and and Jimmy played the Star Spangled Banner. And despite the um, chemical enhancement um, of me and everyone around, uh, you know, um, I can still remember that. Um, and then in Hawaii, we had uh, we they used to have every year they had a festivals in Diamond Head Crater. You know what you see. Outside of Diamond Head Crater is, the, is this cone, but inside of Diamond Head Crater, there's a very flat surface, and, um, and they had festivals in there. And, and I can remember seeing Santana, um, the Little River Band, um, uh, you know, and, and others uh, in that, um, uh, it, it, what they call the Crater Festival. I don't know. Um, and I've seen, and I'm not bragging, this is just history, I've seen just about everybody. Mm. Um, there's probably only uh, one that I, uh, the two that I can think of that I haven't seen that I really wish I could have seen and am not going to see. Um, and that would have been the uh, uh, Joni Mitchell mm-hmm. and the band. You know, those are two that I, that I missed out on somehow. Right. You know? um, I've seen, you know, just about everybody else. So who was singing with Little River Band when you saw them? It was the original Little River Band. Right. This was 1970, uh, 71. Oh, right, okay. Right. Yep. Yep. So it was, you know, um, it was the original Little River Band. Okay. Um, which would about, they were, it would have been early in the, in the piece for them. Yep. You know? um, and they wound up at the, uh, you know, at the Crater Festival. Um, and I remember it clearly because, um, at least one of them, or maybe two of them, played left-handed. Oh, right. Yeah, uh, which is backwards for the rest of us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you <know>? mirrored. <laughs> you know, how can you play like that? Yeah. What's wrong with you? You know. Um, yeah. So, uh, and they've all been, uh, uh, you know, fantastic. And I couldn't pick out one of them and say, you know, I mean, I was very lucky living in Hawaii. A lot of musicians came through there and uh, would play at a at a bar that I used to. Uh, hang out in, in Lahaina. Um, uh, I've seen, uh, you know, I mean, any number of them would come through there and then they'd come in and play a set in, in, at the Blue Max. Um, Elton John, um, uh, Jackson Brown, uh, who's the other one, the Canadian guy, whose name escapes me off the top of my head. But um, yeah, so the, and I've been lucky in that sense uh, of the concert that I've got, you know, that I've been able to see. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and some who've had some great concerts here, you yeah. know, um, uh, that I've been able to see, you know, um, a lot of the, a lot of the older guys are still, you know, um, touring the ones that are still able to tour, yeah, you know, as you it? know, you know, yeah. um, and the, and the question you got to ask is, you know, and we know the reason for that is why, mm. why at this at that age, some of these guys are in their seventies. Yeah, are you still out on the road? Which isn't easy, as no. you know, as we know. The reason is because that's the only way they can make any money well, or get their songs out. Yeah, know? and look, some of them probably don't. I mean, Paul McCartney doesn't need the money. No, but he, some, he loves doing yeah, it. Yeah, some of them, some were. I mean, they all love doing it. Yeah, they wouldn't be doing. They wouldn't be doing. They'd find something else to do. They'd sell some of their guitars if they had yep. to. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, so it's, you know, and it, and it's great to go see them, um, and to, uh, and, and some of them are still, you know, putting out some really good stuff, mm. 
Yeah. Um, uh, some of them aren't putting out, you know, so much stuff anymore. And Billy Joel, he's he's incredible. He's you know he does you know like a a, a monthly gig in Central Park or at, at Madison Square Gardens or something. And it's sold out every month. But he hasn't written any new stuff for thirty years. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Um, at least you know rock you know sort of rock and roll and you know just fantastic songwriter and a you know and a fantastic performer and musician you know um so many of them so many are there's but we you know there are some new people out there too that are uh, you know that are that are very good and i sometimes seem like i'm dismissive of it because mm-hmm. of um my history of and, and the people that i listen to but um one of the ones that impresses me at the moment is these two girls, Larkin and Poe. Right. Have you have you heard of them? No. Um, they're both sort of multi instrumentalists, um, and I've got their um, their albums in the mail. Cool. You know, as so I want to sit down and listen to what they have. I want to listen to what they have to say as well. I've listened to some of it on, you know, on the on the internet, and it's uh, you know a little bit. Um, Hard to, to you know figure. I want to sit there and listen. I want to hear what they have to say. Instrumentally, they're very good. Vocally, they're very good. Um, and they're coming here. They've been here before, and they're coming here. They're playing at the blues, at the blues festival at the is it Byron Bay or whichever yeah. one it is. Um, I, I often wonder about the blues festival. Some of the bands that I see playing in the blues festival are pretty hard to describe as being blues bands. That's what I thought too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you see Crosby, Stills, and Nash up there playing in the mm. blues band, you go, well, I'm not really sure that blues is... Stills maybe, but I don't know about the rest of them. Mm, yeah. It's a good name for a festival, I guess, yeah, anyway. It is, but, you know, it, exactly. Yeah. It's a good name for a festival. And who cares? I mean, like, yeah. genre is another thing that we can, yeah. you, know, you know, we can spend an hour talking about. You know, um, as a useless conversation as as it is. I mean, in my day, we had about four genres. You know, <laughs> we had country, we had rock, we had folk music, and we had classical music. Yeah. You know, and and then and and there was blues and jazz. You know, so I mean, it, you know, now you go onto a, a festival website, you know, and they ask you what genre you're playing in. And there's a list of 250 <laughs> bloody things there, you know? Yeah. And invariably, folk rock doesn't appear, which really oh, pisses me off because yeah. that, you know, I mean, it's, that's what I play. Um, and, you, and you think about um, Americano is one that gets me, you know? Um, what qualifies as Americano, mm-hmm. you know? You know, and and there's really uh, there's no genre that has a definition. Mm. Uh, you know, if anything, folk probably has is the closest to having a definition because it was generally music. Uh, you know, in in going back, that the you know the, the people sang you know uh, you know out in the fields or whatever. You know, it was you know sort of traditional sort of stuff. Um, rock, we know, you know. Um, but what is alternative, you know, alternative country? There's no definition for country. So how can you have an alternative to that? You know, I mean, these are, it, it, it baffles me, and I know what it is. It's marketing. Mm. It's a manager going, oh, we've got to differentiate you from, uh, uh, you know, from everybody else. So we're going to say that you play, you know, this, you know. Um, and they make up something, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, 
I don't, it doesn't frustrate me. It's just I find it somewhat ridiculous. And then the other ones that I find is um, where they slot somebody into, especially when they say they're folk rock people. And then I listen to what they are playing. And I go, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> you know, um, they may be really nice singers and they may be really nice songs, but there's no message other than, you know, my boyfriend left me, but he's coming back. Um, I got mad, so I bought a cat. You know, um, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's, it's introspective st stuff. It's not really the folk message side of, of things, you know. And it's not really rock. Just because you play an acoustic guitar doesn't mean you're playing folk music. Well, I was going to ask you, what's your definition of folk? You know? Because to it, me, yeah, it was a bit of an acoustic guitar element. Well, yeah, there's, a, yes. But not. Acoustic instruments. It says, I mean, folk basically is the, uh, you know, it's, uh, oh, it's depressed, you know, it's, it's, it's the oppressed. It's the music of the oppressed, you know. So there was always a message in it. There's, uh, if you take Woody Guthrie for example, you know, um, and uh, you know he was singing about you know, you know, labor unions and immigrant labor and and um, uh, you know the the the, uh, the depression and and uh, you know he was these you know there was a there was a message in all of it. And if you then went to, to folk rock and you look at Neil Young, uh, you know, and, and, and Jackson Brown and, and those kinds of people. There was, when Neil Young wrote Ohio, there was a fairly clear definition of what he was talking about. There was no question about it, you know. Now, not every song, you know, um, had a definitive socially, social conscious message to it, you know. Um, but enough of them did, you know. Uh, you know um, all along the watchtower, a lot of Dylan stuff, you know, I mean, even though it's hard to figure out what the message was sometimes, you know, um, it, it, it carried a message. Um, all the San Francisco bands, you know, I mean, um, there was a huge message and stuff. And, you know, I mean, yeah, some of it was drug fueled stuff, you know, um, but, uh, some of it was their own experience. And, you know, I mean, um, and that that's probably another thing about songwriting is that you know is is you have to write what you know mm. um otherwise you're just making stuff up you know and yeah. and uh, and David Crosby you know in the four way street album you know he said you know i mean this uh this song's really hard to sing sometimes because um it's painful mm. because you know you got to write you got to play what you know otherwise there's no sense playing i mean and that sort of paraphrased what he said you know but um it is, uh, I think that's a critical thing for all songwriters coming up. And okay, at my age, I know a little bit more. I've seen a little bit more water run under the bridge than some, but, you know, um, you got to write what you know. Um, otherwise, you're not really the intruder, you know, to, you know, to, to the art, more or less. And, you know, so that's folk rock. Folk is, the, so that folk rock, I mean, rock is the delivery vehicle. Folk is the message, you know. Right, okay. You can't always have, you know, there's not always a message, you know. And sometimes the message 
you know, uh, is not, I mean, I have a song called um, uh, uh, Meltdown on the Inbound, you know, and it's really about um, public transport, you know, <laughs> and, and some of the woes with public transport on a day-to-day oh, -day yes. basis, you know. It's not a, you know, it, it's about something, but it's not some socially conscious message necessarily, about mm. it, you know. So, I mean, it's... Um, It's an experience. It's an experience. From an experience. It's, something, it's, yeah, it's an experience. And it is a common social experience that we all know about, that people have sat around on the, on the train station going, you know, when's the next train coming? <laughs> you know, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. Um, so there's, uh, you know, um, there's, uh, there's an aspect to, you know, I mean, songs are, are about things aren't necessarily carry this heavy social message, you know, but... Um, if you take a, a, a you know, a, a, you know, uh, Joni Mitchell, um, you know, Big Yellow Taxi, you know, it was very clear what she was singing about the environment that, you know, I mean, you pave paradise and put up a parking lot, you mm -hmm. know, um, that song's as relevant 40 years ago when she wrote it is, mm -hmm. it's just as relevant today. The same, you know, nothing's, nothing's changed as far as that goes. Um, and there's, uh, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of songs that, you know, I look at and I go, well, that's you know, you know, we haven't we haven't come that far no. <laughs> since that song was written, you know. Um, so who's you know, I mean, who inspires you to, you know, to write songs? Who uh, inspires me? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've Or got what a, inspires you? Uh, well, I love playing the guitar first and foremost, and singing came after that because I had to. You know, deliver the songs. Um, I always sort of wrote songs and had to work on the singing aspect a lot. Um, I always wrote lyrics, but I've got a lot of different influences. But for me, I just have to write songs. I enjoy writing songs, and it's probably one of the only outlets that I can. Uh, touch on certain emotions with or something like that so um yeah it's just a, a vehicle for me to get some things out that i need to get out yeah. um i'm not much of a well, bit of an introvert i guess um so you're not an open cry baby no <laughs> no <laughs> to, to some people maybe <laughs> but uh yeah no look i just and you know it's a it's a a timestamp as well, you know. It's um, it's interesting looking looking back to songs that I wrote ten years ago now, because I'm sort of at that point now, and um, you know, in a way they're still relevant, and it reminds me where I was at that time. Um, and it's just part of the journey. Um, I just enjoy writing, recording, and playing, and I'm trying to um. Just let that all come out, you know, without thinking about it all too much and being too self-conscious because that's one thing that's been really hard for me to get over is, I don't know, for some reason I was like a bit of a, a clam. I was really closed up and music has helped me sort of open all that a little bit and still helps me with that, so... Yeah, it's interesting, the timestamp thing. I didn't really thought about it that way that, you know, that what you what we wrote... 10 years ago um to look back on that now and see whether um 
you know, what's changed or what, um, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, influences and inspirations are very, uh, are an interest, you know, in- interesting, you know, I mean, I'm influenced by the, musically more than anything else by the era that I grew up in and the music that I, that, you know, that was, you know, on the, on the table for us to listen to as far as my style of songwriting, but inspiration wise, I mean, like I think we said earlier is everything is, everything yeah. is inspiring. Yeah. Some of it inspires you not to write songs about that particular True. thing, you know? you know, it works both ways, you know? Yes. Um, and, and, uh, and, uh, but it's, you know, it, it, it is, it is a, it's an interesting vehicle. Like you say, I mean, it is a vehicle. It's a vehicle for us to, uh, to put that in. And, um, one of the things that, you know, that I did wrote, uh, you know, and I think I've mentioned this song, the meaning of this song uh, is really about um, what the song means to us when we wrote it and what it means to the guy sitting in the audience can be two completely different things. Yeah. They pick up the, the you know, what, what comes out of our mouth, red turns blue, you mm-hmm. know, when it gets to them and it goes through their head and it means something and it has some uh it it is and you know as long as i've hit something yes is you know then then you've achieved the you've achieved something you know if you've hit something even if it doesn't uh, you know i mean some songs are pretty plain and simple what they're what you're Mm -hmm. singing about and other songs not necessarily so but they they, you know if they have the effect on and i mean you know there's a lot of people who have sort of taken the song hotel california and tried to figure out what it's about you know um and i don't think they've ever said anything more than you know it was just the way it came out you know um but what does it mean to you is what's really important what is what you know what what did you take out of that song what sort of got created in your uh consciousness but you know by listening to that song um as many times as you may have listened to yes. it, <laughs> you, know? Um, uh, you know, and so there's, you know, I mean, that's another good thing about songwriting is that we get to, um, uh, the, it's a delivery vehicle for our thoughts, but may also be the delivery vehicle for somebody else to, to, to sub, you know, consciously, uh, you know, latch on to something or, or, or whatever the case may be, but it's, um, we often get asked about, you know, influences and, and, um, uh, that's always a hard, uh, you know, necessary thing that, you know, you know, that's what, and that's why I asked, I wanted to, you know, I mean, Mm. so you don't think, is there a, a musical era or whatever that you think influences the way you write songs or the, the style that you write in? Um, I guess so. I mean, you know, I love all the stuff from the sixties and seventies. A lot of the bands that you have mentioned, um, you know, aspects of Bob Dylan and that sort of thing. I don't mm, think too closely to him when I'm actually writing a song, but then, you know, it goes back to him and an acoustic guitar and that's what I'm doing, um, telling a story. Uh, I guess songwriting-wise, what influenced me most was probably, uh, you know, like Silverchair and Nirvana and the the grunge acoustic stuff um that's probably where but you know i don't maybe some of my songs don't sound like that so i try not think about it too much like i don't think i i and 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 i don't either yeah and then and 
you know, I don't think um, but they they all have their D- Dylan was heavily influenced by Woody Guthrie. You know? mm. um, for two, for he said something. You know, when I read his book, I said he's something like for a year, all he did was play Woody Guthrie songs. Right. You know, um, that's an influence. You know, that's a heavy influence. You know, um, but I don't think he sits around and when he was writing songs, thinking, oh, <laughs> that's kind of. And I don't. You know, we don't. You know, I mean, and nah. every every now and then somebody will say. I mean, I never forget. This. <laughs> So I was at a gig one time playing. It was, I think it was, a, I can't remember what it was, whether it was an open mic or something. This girl comes up after me and she says, wow, that really sounded like Dire Straits. Now, as much as I like Dire Straits, it was never, a, you know, and Knopfler is a great songwriter and a great guitar player and a, you know, all that stuff. It never, it's not, he's not a heavily, an in, a big influence necessarily on, on things, you know, but um, that was maybe the greatest compliment I ever got, you know. Um you know, but people pick up my songs and say, "Oh, they, you know, you got a bit of Neil Young in there," and that's true. I mean, and and mm. everything else, you know, it's all in there because that's what we've got cataloged into our, yeah, uh, you know, into our musical brain, what we've listened to for so much, you know, like. But you know, I've plucked out a couple of jazz numbers as well, you know, which I've never listened to any jazz in my life. But then when I play it, and somebody goes, "Oh man, that's the way you've put those chords is very jazz," you know, sort of jazz formula you know whatever but i like motown as well i like the way that's that that yeah thing bounced along you know the 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 way they just the mood of some of those songs you know um yeah so as you know i mean that the influences and, and inspirations for songwriting um become the uh you know it's not something we think about necessarily. Not consciously, it, no. I know? think the influences just spill through naturally because, yeah. like you said, they're in the back of your brain. You've churned them the through your ears. Going, you yeah. Know? You know? But it is interesting people's comparisons to your music sometimes, like whether they hear you live or, you know, listen to you, you know, your CDs or Spotify and um, they get a certain vibe of a band from you, whether it's Neil Young or. Um, you know, I've had a few with Alice in Chains, which I'm like, that's great. You know, great. Yeah, no kidding. It's in the back you know, of my mind. They're fantastic. You know? yeah. yeah. But that doesn't mean you sound like them. They've just got that uh, sense yeah. from you, which yeah. is really cool. And, and it's certainly nothing that, that, you, that you've copied or, or, yeah. or, or tried to, or tried to uh, imitate in such a way. But, it, you know, you know, maybe it's a chord change, or maybe it's a, a you know, it's a rhythm or something, you know, that just uh, you know sticks out. I mean, singing wise, I don't think you can be mistaken for Alice in Chains necessarily, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, and they, you know, they, they're one of they're very they were a very good band that had uh, you know uh, you know something to to put forward, you know. Um, even some of the country stuff, you know, I mean, Atlanta, uh, you know, I not sort of the uh, commercial country stuff but uh along another path i listened to a lot of that stuff you know i had a country radio show for a while even you oh, know cool um and fred eaglesmith casey chambers um terry hendrix uh and i'm you know i'm always discovering new people that are you know maybe older and been around a while mm. um or new people in it uh, you know that have, that have come up into the scene um and that's always uh you know good when you you pick somebody up and you go oh well you know i mean 
that's worth that's worth having to listen to. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, you know, I mean, and there's, and then you know, I mean, some of them die out. I mean, there's this one guy, uh, Adam Carroll, <laughs> some really clever and terrific songs, and he's a really good guitar player and harmonica player. Um, and then they just disappear off the face of the earth. You know, like the mm. three sort of albums or whatever. Um, you wonder why that is sometimes, whether they, the music business got the best of them or um, they're not popular anymore or, they, you know, who knows what it is. Well, they you just know, burn it, out and burn, they don't know, like what they you see. Know, uh, you know, don't like what they see. Yeah. Don't, don't look at, um, at Billy Joel. He just, you know, he's basically said, look, I've written it all already. I'm, there's, I mean, I'm happy to go play it, mm. but I've said everything that I can possibly say, you know. Um, and uh, you know, um, others are the same way. I mean, there's, there's um, even some of the prolific songwriters of the past are not writing to the level, you know, not writing to the level that they um, that they used to. Um, but what they are putting out is, uh, you know, still high quality stuff. Neil, Neil still. Um, writing stuff um i uh, i have a really good collection of of autobiographies of the music from uh, from those days uh, you know and um reading their stories uh is um you know so interesting because you you know you lived those times but they lived a different uh they lived a different life but then when you you read their their story. You go, well, geez, it wasn't all that much different, except you know they had um, more money and um, were able to to uh, um, experience more things, but they still had the same uh, shit that they had to go through. Um, you know, like like the rest of us. Um, it, um, I suppose the uh, one of the more interesting ones is. Um, uh, John Fogarty from Creedence Clearwater Revival, who was, uh, com- you know, completely out of the box from from everybody else in the way he uh, uh, he wrote songs, the things that happened to him, the 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 issues that uh, you know de- he had to deal with, even though he was from the San Francisco area and was in that same era of time, he's completely separated from the whole um, San Francisco music scene that. Existed with the airplane and the dead and the Quicksilver Messenger Service and and th- those kinds of bands, um, and of course he, like so many others, were um, bombarded and damaged by the music business. You know mm. that he had his his collection, his his publishing rights were were taken, his music was taken away from him by the publishers, and for something like. 20 years he couldn't play his own songs yeah that's you know? incredible um and that's just you know i mean uh that must have been hard yeah for anyone to live with that uh, you know to have the collection of great songs that he had and i remember that i i was you know his first when he came down here when he had first gotten all of his um songs back from the publishers there was you know there was a period of time or whatever um, and he came down here and he was playing, you know, Born on a Bayou and, and uh, Proud Mary and Keep on Chuglin' and, and, you know, Green River and stuff like that um, from, his, from the CCR days. You could just see the, uh, 
that you know you just feel the joy he was having playing these songs that uh you know that writing any songs there's a, there's a bit of blood sweat and tears in every song that we mm-hmm. write yeah whether you know you believe that or not there is um uh and they're yours they're not they don't belong you know i mean they they're it's your blood, sweat, and tears that went into him. So to be—I I really that was one of the one of a really great concert to see was and to feel this him being able to play his songs mm. again after they were sort of stolen from him by yeah. the music industry, by the music business. You know, he wrote so many great songs. Oh. There's nothing like chucking on a Credence no. album. No, I can you know. love it. And we we in the band, our band even covers a Credence song just yeah. because there. It's always you know it's always worth covering a Credence song. You yeah. know, everybody everybody. You know, likes him. Everybody knows him. You know, um, they've got a great beat. You know, they're uh, they're not. He didn't. He in his early years, a lot of the, he wasn't writing sort of real, um, he, you know, um, heavy, meaningful songs. Although they sound they 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 developed a meaning to to the listener. Born on a Bayou and Proud Mary. I mean, all those things developed. But they, he was just making up lyrics. You know, mm. um, out of ideas. He then. He got, but he got more as he went, as he got older, he started having more revelations, you know, and fortunate son and, and, Mm. and, and, you know, those, you know, as he was going, which, you know, that, that's the case with a lot of them, you know, I mean, the Beatles were a typical example of that, you know, from their, you know, I want to hold your hand days to, um, you know, Yellow Submarine and, and, you know, the, the Sergeant Pepper's album and, and, and beyond. Um, you know, drugs will do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> really, <laughs> drugs will do that to you. You know, um, uh, you know. So I mean, that's uh, you know, it, it, songwriting, and you and I both, you know, live that um situation. Is that you know, songwriting, songwriters, songs, um, are real meaningful things to mm-hmm. you know to us. And if you read the autobiographies of the songwriters, like Neil and Joni and 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 um, the, you know others, uh, that's every one of them. It's just, the pattern is the same. It's the songwriting that has kept them, you know, from going over the edge. Mm. Whereas you read some of the other ones of people who weren't songwriters, like Mick Fleetwood, mm. they were over the edge gone you know i mean all they did all he did was play drums you know yeah um uh and you know i mean it was a you know it's a great book but um it's uh you know it is certainly um the essence of of uh of music you know it goes back to beethoven and mozart and probably way before that and and probably will continue long after uh, we're gone Mm. um the essence of music is songwriting yep uh, all comes back to a good song. All comes back to a good yeah. song, well written. And it, you, know, you can dress you know, it up with all. Yeah, you dress. You can. <laughs> you can dress it up with a lot of stuff. You yeah. know, um, delivered with passion. You know, um, you know, a good song delivered with passion. Huh? Mm. You know, and, you know, three chords and the truth and all those. You know, mm. <laughs> you know, all those other things. You know. Yeah. Um, but a bit of dressing is not, you know, I mean, is not. <laughs> goes a long it, you way. Know, goes a long way. A bit, yeah. of, a bit of dressing, there's, uh, you know, not overdoing it. And I, I think a lot of um, people have got caught up in in uh, overdo, overdoing it to a sense with, um, uh, you know, because the computers, 
nowadays a, um, a digital enhancement. You know, you can add in this and you can add in that and stuff like whereas in the old days, you know, if you didn't play it, mm. it couldn't be added in. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, it's hard to know where to draw the line sometimes these days. I mean, if you're uh, – yeah, it's endless what you can add and how many tracks you can add. So, you know, just ask Axel Rose, I guess, and, you know, you can just keep going and going and going and yeah. retaking, retaking. Yeah. And, and, I, and I've known people who have not been able to yeah. get an album, a song done, yeah. or an album done yeah. because they – that. Um, the the availability, the choice, I guess, of things that you can do with it, mm. um, is so uh, uh, wide mm. that um, you get lost in the in um, in the decision making process. As I try to keep things a little bit more simplified, uh, you know, I mean, we don't even have a drummer, mm. you know, um, and probably won't. For two reasons: one, they're a pain in the ass, <laughs> <laughs> and two, they take them a long time to get set up and unset up. You and then you got to help them. Carry you got to help them. Shit. Yeah, they all want help. And if you <laughs> don't, yeah, oh, man. you know. But I would love to, and if there's any out there that uh, you know, a good conga player um, who doesn't need too much setup. Um, uh, would be a very nice, you know, a very nice enhancement, you know. Um, uh, whereas, I mean, our um, Anita, a singer, she's she's does really good hand percussion stuff, mm. you know. Um, and I'm working on it, you know. So I mean, that that helps a little bit. But you know, uh, the congas, and even like I've seen you guys, you sometimes play with just sort of a snare and 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 cymbal um, sort mm. of setup, you know. Um, and that works all right as well, you know? Yeah, I think with that I had, um, yeah, there was a few different variations, but, you know, when I had everyone, I had um, I had Seth on the cajon, yeah. I had James on the djembe. Yeah. And then I had Adam doing all the, the percussion-y things like tambourines and shakers. And mm. it, so it was a really nice mix because I think once you add a drum kit to acoustic stuff, like what I was doing, it changes the sound a lot. And it's uh, it's almost too much. It was more organic with all these, uh, and, yeah. And you have to have if you're going to have a drummer playing with acoustic stuff, mm. he's got to be really good, mm. and he's got to be able to play um, that style of music. Whereas um, it's not, you know, it's not bang on the drums as hard as you can stuff. But <laughs> a, a, dr a good drummer that can play that stuff. Um, we had one that played. If, you know, at the collective, at the you know, um, when we were playing at um, Prince Public Bar, when we had the uh, Taste of Indie Collective Reticency at the at the Prince Public Bar, mm -hmm. um, and we had one of the nights that we had was um, uh, um, to play with the with the band. I can't remember what we called it. We had oh, something yeah. where you, you know we had a band and they a and house came, band the house band. Yeah, you know, yeah. you played with the house band. You know. Um, uh, which it was so interesting on occasion. A drummer we had um, the first couple of times playing there, um, and he was really good. He just had a you know had a, a real feel for that kind of music, you know, because it was mostly you know th that kind of music was what was being played. Um, he had a real nice feel for it. Um, his name escapes me at the moment. He's still a friend of mine on Facebook, but um, 
Was it Michael's drummer? No. No. No, no, no. This was... Um, I can't remember what his name is. I don't even remember how I came up with him, to tell you the truth. Mm. But um, uh, he's still around. He's still, uh, you know, he, he did, was going back and forth to America. I, don't, I think he's back in Australia now. But, right. he, you know, he's a, a, you know, he's a really, had the feel for that music, yeah. which you had to have, you know. Other ones that we had didn't have quite the feel um, for that style of music that was being played, you know. Um, but that was a good, um, that was a disappointing um and to uh, what could have been a really fantastic thing for us. Well, I think it was, and I was going to get to this next, actually. The, <laughs> it was on the, the whole, list, was it? <laughs> you know, yeah, it was early in the list, you know, but somehow you know, I skipped over oh, it, you, sorry, know, just, you know, just like the set yeah, list. You yeah. know, it's, <laughs> so, yeah, the Taste of Indie Collective. I mean, this was a big credit to Bob because um, – he brought a whole community of musicians together under this one umbrella called the Taste of Indie Collective. Now, it wasn't a record company. It was... Uh, a collective. It was, it was a... <laughs> little community yeah, collective. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that's... Now, I'm trying to think back. Maybe 2012. No, 14. It was 2014. When I first met you? Oh, no. When we first met, that yeah. was that was... When we first met, we had it was uh, Tasty Trios, right? It was it was you know Brett Frankie and his trio. Yep. Uh, um, there was some guys from the West that their trio. You had a trio going mm. at the time. Well, I had the Likely Suspects, who was uh, you know a trio going. So that's where it started with sort of there was sort of four or five trios, and we were trying to get gigs because the venues always wanted you to put a lineup together. So the the issue was okay. Well, let's put some people together that we're going to be able to put into a lineup all the time. Mm. And so that's how that sort of started, and we did that for a while. And then, um, you know, being a persistent person that I am, <laughs> you know, even that that kind of crashed. Um, and I don't remember why. It took um, a while though. Like it was really good for. Yeah, yeah. No, we had Tasty Trios was going. We played. A, we played gigs at the Brunny. We played gigs. Yeah. At, you know, um, at the at the Horse Bazaar. Horse Bazaar. I think that's <laughs> Horse Bazaar. That's where I met that you. That was probably the first one. I think you know. Yeah. And that was probably that was where I met you. Me, me, Brett, Brett, and, yeah. and you and you were playing, and we played at the Horse Bazaar, which yeah. was bizarre, yeah, really bizarre. You know? And I've played there a few times, and every time it's been bizarre. I have swore yeah. that place off. Um, but, uh, you know, we did, uh, uh we, we got a, we were getting a few gigs, um, mm -hmm. and, and being able to get, so we had this sort of core of trios that were, you know, that we, we had playing. Um, at that time I, I had, I was in the likely suspects, which was a three, um, uh, a three man trio as, as they all are. Um. And so when that petered out, and, but I still felt that there was a, uh, oh, we got, actually, it was, it, there was more people came along, and, you know, and, and more, like, you know, uh, you know, other bands came along that had more than three people in them. Yeah. And so it, that's, it, it sort of expanded to include um, Priesta and Dash, um, uh, you know, uh, James is James, the sound engineer's band, whose name escapes me. Uh, you know, um, oh. and and others. You know, something children or something. I can't remember. Oh, you know. shit, yeah. Um, uh, but and there's 
looking back on that, there's sort of two sides to it. The number of people that I met and the fantastic musicians that I met and the re- and relationships that I have with most of the people now, uh, James being a, 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 an, an example. I mean, James is the, you know, the best sound guy I ever had mm. on in any desk, in any venue. Lovely you know, guy too. You know, and a great guy, you know, good guitar player. Um, uh, and he came, you know, he was originally a friend of Brett Frankie's, you know, um, and that, you know, so, and, and all of these people sort of got drawn in to this mix and and we were doing well we sort of were getting um gigs uh through um you know we would people would be venues would be ringing us up when somebody um fell over and you know and so the deal was that uh, you know okay we'll come in and we'll, we'll put in a, a we had enough people that we could always put a lineup together and yeah. you know on short notice but for that we get another gig that we at that venue that we can promote, you know. Mm. And I had the tote ringing me up, the Empress, you know. I mean, mm. it, you know, we we were getting a, we were getting in, into a few good venues, you know. Um, and then that's I, I don't know for some reason frustrated me or petered out for one reason or another. Can't remember. <laughs> but then I said, no, I got to have one more try, because right. <laughs> that's just the way I am. And I wound up falling into. Uh, the Prince Public Bar, mm. um, and the, the Booker there, and you know they were looking for something to do on uh, you know on Tuesday nights, I think it was, um, and I jumped at the opportunity, uh, developed a couple of different so so we weren't doing the same thing every week. We had uh, sort of you know aspiring new artists night, you know where we had sort of. Uh, a host and three or four new people. We had the house band night. We had a uh, singer songwriter night. And then we had something else. I can't remember what it was. Um, and there was probably a group of 15 to 20 of us. Um, and everybody was getting a gig. We were, we were getting paid. Um, they were there every Tuesday night. It had either had James or um, uh, Josh Forner on the, uh, you know, on the, um, on the sound, mm. which was all, you know, which was generally good. Yeah. Um, this they had a pretty good sound system there. And some nights we had, you know, it would be full and other nights, you know, there wouldn't be, it wouldn't be quite as good, but it was a Tuesday night. So we had to keep the doors closed. Yeah. Remember? Tuesday night's hard, man. <laughs> and Ooh. it was, that was hard because you couldn't get, yeah. people, can't, hard to get people through the door yeah. when they're closed, you know? Um, and so we did it for, Three months. The sort of deal was okay. We'll do it for for three months, and we did it for three months. Uh, and then they said, "No, no, keep going. You know, this is great." Um, and we were getting big posters up, and we were, you know, the the the, Vin, the the Prince was great. They were they were fantastic. They had ever they advertised it every week. It was always in their thing. They had the big board up outside. You know, um, uh, just uh, you know, they they did their share. Mm. There was no doubt about that. Um, and then uh, they were going to close up for the winter. Yeah. Because, they, you know, I spoke to me, said, oh, look, they, they don't have the heaters working outside and they got, you know, and just, you know, so um, we're going to put it off till um, September. And then we'll, so this was like in May. We're going to put it off till September. Which is, two days later, he calls me back. He says, no, I spoke to the owners. The owner said, no, keep going. You know? Cool. So we wound up doing basically 12, almost, almost exactly 12 months. 52 mm. weeks mm. every week we did uh, uh, 
Cup night was Tuesday night. Mm. We did Australia Australia Day, which happened to be on a Tuesday. It didn't matter. We had we showed up there every Tuesday night and played, and we got paid every week. And we did, and 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 eventually some other people. It was originally I was doing it all myself, and I sound like I'm whinging here, but I'm really not because it was a great experience. The whole thing was a great experience. Um, eventually, we got some other people started pitching in. Uh, and helping out with, uh, you know, um, doing, uh, you know, some of the things that needed to be done to keep it going. But sometimes, and I, I may be guilty of this myself, sometimes musicians are their own worst enemies. And and I'm not criticizing anybody in particular. I love everybody that, that um, was involved um, to this, but the musicians were always good at pushing their own gigs the night they were going to play, but they didn't sort of push the collective as a whole. That oh man, yeah, Tuesday nights, you know, you know, whether you were playing or night, Tuesday nights the place to be down at, at at the Prince Public Bar. We always got great original music going on down there. Blah blah blah. So everybody could have done a little bit more, and um, we might have been able to keep going. So now all they have down there is you know cheap Tuesday where you get free pool or something like mm. that, and now, and actually they're closing that they're closing that venue up. You know they're just going to have the band room and they're doing a fancy restaurant there or something like that. You know I don't think I've been to St Kilda since yeah. whenever the last yeah. gig was. I haven't been down that way. No reason to yeah, go. <laughs> You're right. So yeah, I guess I played down there one time at a place called Freddie Wimpole's. Um, but okay. you know that's the, you know, um, but it was a. It was a great experience because we, you know, I felt really good that um, everybody was getting a everybody was getting a gig, and okay, we weren't getting huge amounts of money, but everybody was getting a you know, you know at least paying for gas. Yeah, you know, which in a lot of times it wasn't happening. Yeah, you weren't yeah. getting even gas money out of it. You know, um, and uh, we were trying different things, and we were getting different people up there. Um, but we still also had the, the the regular core of you know the people that we'd been playing with for for um, uh, you know for years, um, you and Brett and you know Paul Snowden, um, uh, you know um, Al from Waterline, Alistair from yeah, Waterline. Yeah, Al from Waterline, um, uh, the big tall um, uh, what's his name? Um, Oh, it starts with a J. There's another one. I'm not good on names. Yeah. Um, I've got it was two. in Priest and Dash. He was, uh, yeah. you know, he played there a number of times. Um, uh, in, there was a, a lot of us, you know. That Mark got Fisher. To, Fisher Mark was in v, there. Yeah, Fish, yeah. Fish was playing in there. Uh, Tim Holzman. Tim Holzman. That's right. Tim Holzman yeah. was playing there. Mark Gardner was playing there. Yeah. Cat O. Cat O. Michael um, Yule. Michael Yule. You know, all you got all this stuff there. <laughs> oh, you know? it was huge. <laughs> By the end, you know, yeah. it drew people in. It did, yeah. you know, and 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 I established and even talking about all those people, I established you know a great relationship with with all of those people, you know, um, and uh, uh, you know, people that I still, you know, that um, uh, and we had the I Live Festival, um, yes, at the Brunny, which, you know, at the Brunny. Which was, was massive. Which was, Ooh, you know, well, it was really, uh, you know, a great day. You know, I mean, we had the weather was fantastic. Yeah. You know, uh, we had all everybody was there. We had fourteen bands. 
Yeah, I think we had 14 bands on two stages, you know? Mm. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, CD, uh, um, not CD Jesus, but the drummer from CD Jesus is in that band at the end whose name escaped me. At the, the band names escapes me at the moment. But um, uh, that was a really good day. Yeah, know? that was great. And, and everybody got to play. Uh, unfortunately, financially, it fell on, you know, uh, on its face. Um, but it was a lesson learned, uh, you know, about over promotion and and how much money you should put into promotion. And, oh, yeah. You know, maybe you can do it better. Um, but um, the Brunny was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know the you know was they they did their part. You know, and and uh, the sound the sound was great. And, you know, the beer garden was full. Um, uh, it was one of a re- it was a really good gig uh, for my band. You know, I thought we played really really well that night. Um, yeah, that was a that was a good one. You know, that was a that was a really good one. Um, so we didn't. You know, we had some uh, some successes along the way uh, as far as a community a community of, of you know people that we that I you know that sort of got hap slapped together and scotch taped together um but um i don't think i'd ever do it again well it was a lot on your shoulders and i think that was the problem in the end that uh you know it was a lot of work for you and i think a lot of us didn't realize as we were going along how much of it actually fell on you these gigs were popping up and we were jumping on the lineups but we've sort of forgot what was going on in the background there to get those gigs and to to keep in contact with the venues and um yeah that was a huge a huge credit to you you know um you weren't just playing the role of a musician but you you brought a whole community of people together some of us knew each other a lot of us didn't and I we think, now know each other now yeah. we know each other now yeah. though, you, know? you know i miss those days i, I miss that experience but um it was great for how long it lasted, and yeah, that was a huge credit to you. So I never but- wanted to feel like I was, be- like you know, and I always made the point, you know, that, that neither the collective or me are a promoter or a booker. You know, all we are is a group of musicians. Um, you know, uh, you know, we're trying to get gigs. I always made that point to the venues, and I made it a point to, to the musicians as well. That you know, no, no, nobody's. Um, Nobody's getting rich off this. Nobody's. I. I don't. And I was. And I. I don't think I ever played favorites, as so far as um, uh, whoever was next in line or whoever was available. You know, was the next person up. You know, um, the only favor I can ever remember doing was um, uh, when I originally did the lineup for the I Live Festival. I had this band, Acoustic Fox, as the opening <laughs> band on the on the uh, on the uh, you know, and and the leader of that band said, "Come on, Bob, I've been playing here for I've been playing with you guys for a long time, uh, opening, you know." And I said, "You know, that's right. He shouldn't be opening this show. He's he's been around for too long. He's put him back, you know." And so I shifted things around, and it, you know, it wasn't a favor. It was the right thing to do, <laughs> you know. At the time, it wasn't really a favor, you know. Um, but uh, you know. Uh, you know, if it was Cat O's turn to come up, then, you know, I mean, that's the way it was. If it was, you know, this guy or that guy or whatever, you know, and, and um, 
What's the guy who plays the lap steel guitar? His name, you know, uh, Tim. Yeah, Tim, Tim Holzman. Yeah. Tim Holzman. Um, I mean, you didn't know Tim Holzman before. No, no. And he, he actually wound up playing guitar at your um, yeah at, at your uh, oh, that's launch. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Yep. I mean, and that was the that that was probably the you know one of the great things about that is how that that we did we we did have a network going. We were able Absolutely. to you know, sort of spread that network out amongst us. Um, and I know that you know a lot of people are are playing um, with each other still in different uh, you know in, in you know in different formats uh, you know not necessarily in the same band. And I've had Mark Gardner you know we opened for for Mark Gardner's band uh, you know one time and and um, uh, you know other people have asked me to come and MC for um, you know for their openings or whatever you know um, and I'm always you know so we did. We did develop a, a community of sorts. You yeah. Know? We probably could have collectively worked a little bit better. Yep. But I would never do it again. Mm. Mm. It was too It was, it was. Well, you turned into the booker, the promoter. Yeah, exactly. That's what, what's wound up happening. Probably took you away yeah. from being a musician in a in yeah, a lot of ways. I mean, no, I was I got I had my I got my fair share of gigs, and I didn't, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I never stuck myself in when, you know, I had to stick myself in a few times when other people fell over. But, um, uh, you know, I got my fair share in, uh, and that was, you know, part of the thing too is that you know, I mean, getting gigs, uh, you know, um, but uh, I, I did it in a way, sort of become the, uh, you know, the booking manager for, mm. uh, for people that, um, uh, you know, like you say, maybe didn't, um, didn't appreciate the collectiveness that, that we, that, that could have been there, you know, mm. and, 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 um, you know, we could still be playing at the Prince today. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of glad I don't have to trek down to St Kilda anymore. <laughs> so, no, it could have been someplace else. Yeah, who knows? You know, yeah. we did. We played Tago Mago a couple of times as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Now Swamplands, yeah, um, which is still well, it's actually a better venue now than it was it? back. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's a great venue. Because um, I've been, you know, I've uh, I was I spoke to the booker there, and I was supposed to, she was supposed to, you know, sort of put us in there at some point in time, but she. Um, she never did. Booker's is another problem because they come mm. and go, and and they're, they do, uh, yeah. You know, uh, you know, they're here one day and gone the next. Uh, um, and a lot of times, uh, you know, venues hire bookers. The venue doesn't. The, the booker doesn't actually. He's not really employee of the venue mm. or connected to the venue, and so there's a disconnection between the booker yeah. and, the, and the venue, which. Um, I don't think works well for either one of them or no. the bands, to tell you the truth. Yeah, because you know? they come and go, and by you know you play there, you know in March this year, for example, and then you hit them up in November. A couple months later, yeah, and yeah, oh, that's know, the, not yeah, the booker anymore. Yeah, no, he's not the booker yeah. anymore. And then you got to go through the problem of finding the, the yeah. new guy. Yeah, and of course he doesn't answer emails either. You know, yeah. so, <laughs> oh, man. we won't go down that road. But no, let's not go down that road. Just you know, going back to my album launch in 2016, when actually when I saw you last, which is crazy to think, but that's uh, a long time ago. It is. Uh, was it March? Well, April 2016. Oh, okay, and that's that's when Tim. Played yeah, Tim uh, a bit played, of lap steel, you know, and we had to. You had the cello the, player. Yeah, the the band was so big. The lineup that I had at that stage was so big that 
I think there was about six of us on the stage, and Tim, we had to put Tim on Tim the floor. Tim on the floor, <laughs> you know, and, and let's face it, the stage yeah. at 303 was never anything to no, be jumping up and down on, you yep, know. Yep, yep. <laughs> but, but what I wanted to say about that was um, that was a big thing for me because that was my debut album um, that I was releasing. I'd, I'd released music before and I'd done EPs and stuff, but this was an album and that was a big thing for me. And actually, Bob, um, before we played our set, Bob jumped up on stage because he came down as a punter that night. Actually, you played no, that played. night too. Yeah, yeah. I played. I, o- I opened. Open solo. But yeah, before we before I played my set with the band, um, Bob jumped up on stage and um, said a few words and about our you know relationship. And um, that that was a big thing for me. And you know, at that stage, there was uh, no one else that I would have rather have do that than bob so thank you for that bob that was a big thing for me that was a pleasure to um, tell you, you know to 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 be able to to, to do that to you know and especially with all those great musicians that were around there yeah. who, who in essence had all come from uh except for the ones that you knew before but tim the cello player i can't remember what her name lauren was. Laura, you know yep. she was another one that came through the through the collective because she was playing oh, yeah. with yeah, she was playing with um, uh, what are they called? Uh, she was a Story Horse. Yes, she yes, was yes, playing yes. with Story Horse. Yep. You know, I forgot about that. Um, no, I didn't know Story Horse. Only you know, like they weren't bad, but the name was great though. <laughs> they had a great name, Story Horse. Um, and uh, uh, you know, so all you know, those people that sort of come from that sort of uh, group, and um, uh, you know. Uh, you know, I love your stuff, and and you know, um, it was good to. It was, I was happy to be able to get up there and, and say a few words because somebody needed to op- Somebody needed to say something for for all of those things when you do a launch. And I think that's what people lack sometimes with launches mm. is is um, it's not just a gig. It's there's something special to it, yeah. you know, and any, there needs to be some you know some introduction to the thing, you know. Um, <laughs> And then there was another. Oh, you had a video launch. Yep. At at Wesley Ann. Mm. You know, which uh, I was there as a punter, and I wouldn't. You know, there wasn't anything, but yeah, you were just launching your video. Yep. Um, and I so I remember being at that one. Um, I've had good and bad experiences at the Wesley Ann. Yeah. Um, it's a it's an interesting venue. Um, great venue. It is. It's you know, a really nice room. Really nice room. Yeah, it's good sound. Yep. But <laughs> <laughs> we're making funny faces but at each we'll other. Leave it right there. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know. So that, you know, like uh, that's um. Uh, that's you know the the your launch. Um. A couple of others that people have asked me to to come for. It's always a yeah. Um an honor to be asked to, to play or to speak at somebody else's um, big deal. I mean, Paul Snowden, who I played with in the likely suspects um, and was in the collective and, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, got me to play at his um, album launch, which was, which was a big deal for him, you know, um, uh, which he had at the St. Kilda bowling club, you know, which was a, you know, which was a, wound up being a really big night for him, you know, so it's always, always an, an honor to, to, uh, when they, when somebody asks you to do that, not, it's not just another gig, it's, an, mm. it's an important gig. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, you know, really, um, 
my pleasure as always, you know. Um, and if I ever have an album launch, which the, all likelihood I won't, <laughs> um, uh, I'll get you to open for me, oh, awesome. you know. Um, well, I'll look forward to that not yeah. happening. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I re- and and um, what was it? Uh, do you feel? Would you feel more comfortable now? Because I remember back in the. Uh, you know, when we were doing the singer-songwriter sessions where we yeah. had three people, uh, you know, on stage and they would tell us, would you feel more comfortable now than you did then uh, sitting up there and, and and talking about your song or telling your story? Because at that time you said you didn't really want to do that. Yeah. Uh, no. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Although I did one not long ago. Oh, you did? Yeah. You don't want, but you didn't, you know. I can wing it better now. Yeah. But I still... I think we touched on it when we were talking about songwriting. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know, it's just something that's happening and uh, it's hard for me to reflect on what I've just written about and sum it up. Um, and I don't really like doing that. I don't know why. I can't explain it. Uh, I prefer people just to listen and see what interpretation they take from it. Um I wish I could explain my songs. No, no, that's that you know. I, well, no, it, it's because it wasn't necessarily explaining your songs as it could, didn't right. necessarily be explaining, but just talking about. Well, you know, you know. Well, I wrote this on a twelve-string guitar, and and, yeah, and okay. I, I put it in. I put it in. I tried it in a couple of different. It didn't have to be about the lyrics or the meaning of the song mm. necessarily, you know. And, and um, I've done any numbers. It's a, I really, it's a format I like because, you know, as you can tell, it's hard to shut me up once I get started. <laughs> um, uh, but it's a format I like. And some of the people that were doing it were much better at it mm. than others. And so I appreciate the fact that you said at the time, look, no, no, I just, I, I, it, I don't feel comfortable doing it, you know. Um, Michael was great. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, yeah. was, he was great at doing that, you know. Um, um, you know, and some of the other ones, some of the other ones were were better at it than others. Um, mm. uh, you know, so I mean, some people are more comfortable, you know, talking like that. You know, but I, to me, it's a, it's a, it's a, it was a great format. I thought the house band could have worked better, but it it didn't work quite as well as I'd liked it to. You know, mm. um, uh, you know, at the time, but um, it's a, it's interesting, you know that. Um, because I remember distinctly talking to you about it, you know. Right. Um, well, at, I, I like the, the idea of it. Yeah. And I did it, and I'm glad I did it. And I think it's very important to be able to talk about your song. So it's definitely something that I needed a bit of a push into. So where was, was this one you did recently? Uh, actually, three hundred three. Actually. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Daniel Pern organised. Oh it. right. Yes. It was only back in. Daniel Pern played, at, you know, uh, yeah. at the collective at yep. the aspiring night, uh, aspiring uh, songwriters one mm. time, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, no, he put on a night of songwriters and people to talk about their songs. So I definitely prepared that aspect of it. Um, you know, what so songs? you didn't just wing it. I didn't, well, <laughs> did you write I a did. speech? <laughs> I can just see you up there. You know, I don't use a music stand, yeah. but I'm going to write. A, this is a speech I wrote about this song. <laughs> yeah, I took a bit of paper and I read straight from it. Nah, I ended up winging it a bit, and it turned out a lot different than what I'd planned, which is fine. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. So I just I rolled with it, and um, I was a bit more open to just 
yeah, rolling with it. So no, it was good. I had a had a good time, and um, yeah, we should uh, do something like that again because I I like the format that you had the idea for, and I think it was you, me, and Brett up on the stage. Well, that was one of them. Yeah, I think we did uh, one uh, with that, me, you, and Brett. That was at the. Brunning. That was an earlier one. Oh, right, okay. uh, I can't remember where it was. Um, at the Brunning. Oh, was it at the Brunning? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then know, there was another uh, one at the Prince in yeah, St. We Kilda. Did, yeah, we did. We did a weekly. We did a monthly one at the Prince. We mm. did one at, at Bar Osu one time with me and Cat O and and my friend from the country. Uh, look, it's it's an interesting format mm. to. Um, uh, be able to do that, and when I originally, the first time I ever saw it done was at Tamworth, you know, when uh, you know at, at Tamworth Music Country Music Festival, yeah. and there was there was four of them up there, and I just uh, you know I mean because you know the songs you know are meaningful to me you know, and so to hear the songwriter tell the story about the song, whether it's about the song or why he wrote it or whatever whatever the case may be, to hear the songwriter talk about it was that, you know, had had value to, to me, you know. And I think what most of them we did were were pretty good. Yeah. Um but they could have they can also be uh they're they're running one now, the monthly one that they run. Um and a lot I tell you a lot of people copied that format. We were the first mm. ones doing it yeah. on a regular basis in Melbourne. And then a couple of other ones picked it up. And there's one being done in um, at Freddie Wimpole's in St. Kilda. They do it once a month. They do it the first Monday of the month. Um, uh, and there was a couple of them that were, that were doing them at the same time, you know. So, uh, but... You know, uh, imitation's the best form of flattery. Mm. Yeah. Imitations are pale. As <laughs> <laughs> a lyric, I can't remember what it was from now. <laughs> imitations are pale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you know um, tomorrow is International Kiss a Ginger Day, Bob? Did you know? Is that? it really? It Again? Is. You know, yeah, January well, do 12th. You, do, you, do you schedule these on a regular <laughs> basis? I always get this email too, you know, that, yeah. you know, when you kiss a ginger day, you know. Yeah. Um, you're the only one I would kiss as a ginger, oh. to tell you the truth. So you've got mm-hmm. no gingers around you, friends, family? No. Dogs? No. no dogs? Oh, yeah, one of my dogs is a ginger. Oh, well, Same color hair as yours, for well, sure. there you go. You know? All right. Well, um, make sure you kiss him or her a, tomorrow. I gave her a big cleanup today, yeah. you know, get a big cleanup and brushing, so she's very kissable, oh, you know. She's, right. she's very kissable at the moment, so awesome. I'll, I'll definitely give her a kiss tomorrow. Great. Um, yeah, so I mean, that, that, you know, day always comes up and I'd say, you know, oh yeah, again, here it is again, you know, because yeah. um, you're the only one I know. You know? Um, <laughs> There's not many of us, really. Well, there is, but they just, you know, I mean... Um, most, I just, there's not many of them that I know personally, you know, um, uh, that that's, you know, that, that can be said for a couple of different categories of people, but, um, no, that's, that, that's great. So you'll get a, you know, you'll get a kiss tomorrow, a few tomorrow for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a Sunday. So, you know, Tahani's got me all to herself. So, oh, um, yeah. you know, lucky her, huh? Oh, you know, I mean, yeah. I've had you, Betty, for you know, for the last you know few hours. So yeah. I mean, you know, and I've been having a great time. I don't know if the kissing is going to be the the outcome. <laughs> no, you know? no, just, just a handshake you know? <laughs> yeah. and, a, and a thank you. Uh, well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Bob. Uh, I've good. been yeah. looking forward to this one. Yeah. I knew it would be a good one, and it hasn't hasn't failed. So it's always my pleasure to talk about music, and we could have gone on for another couple of hours, but. 
I have to go home and feed the livestock. Yes, you know? very, um, very important. And uh, it's and uh, it, it's fantastic what you're doing to to give people the opportunity to uh, 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 discuss all aspects of what they're doing or what you're doing mm. and compare notes and and other artists can compare notes i mean i i enjoyed watching fisher um or listening to fisher's interview from last week because uh, it, you know it sort of struck a couple of things in yeah. my head you'll have to go back and listen to some of the other ones you know um you know so i really appreciate you having me and having me out here in south Morang. you know um uh i had to get my passport out to get here but <laughs> you know it's um uh i appreciate it and meeting the cat and and um I've seen how the other half lives, uh, you know, over here. Um, so um, let's get. We got to get. We got to get a gig. Well, we uh, had one, but we it's... had one. <laughs> we had one, but it fe fell apart at the seams, like yeah. they do sometimes. But um, we've been invited back there. Um, so um, when we do go back, we'll, you know, we'll we'll do the same lineup again, and um, it'll be uh, it'll be a real a great pleasure always to do a gig, mm. but to go back and do a gig with. Um, the people that I have played with numerous times in the past and haven't played with for a long time is going to make it even more special. Yeah, no, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. But yeah, I'm bummed that gig fell through, and that's kind of why we lined up this show today to talk about that gig. Yeah, but it, fell it was going to be great, <laughs> but there's still lots to talk about, obviously, because we've cracked two yeah, hours. You know, yeah, well, we've, you know, we've oh, gone, yeah, we would. You know, we're going to. You know, you're probably going to have to edit some of this <laughs> stuff out. You know, because you, you know, it's it's gone on. You know, it's gone on longer. We, we like I said, we could be here for longer. You know, and we we. We could have talked about that gig, um, but unfortunately, um, uh, it's not going to happen. But we we will get it back. That one will get back, yep. be put back on, yep. and, and there'll be others. Um, uh, a lot of times, the gigs that we're getting are Sunday afternoon, two-hour gigs, which um, uh, as a band, we've decided to um, uh, do two sets rather than invite other people. But this one was a, a bit longer. And I said, mm -hmm. oh, well, I'm going to get the boys in, you know? I'm going to get the boys. We're going to put in the bands, but we're going to put the, <laughs> we're going to put the gig crew back together here. Yep. Um, so uh, as they come up and, I, and you know, um, hopefully, um, you know, we'll, we'll get on to, uh, you know, other gigs. I mean, it's a, as you know, it's a, it's a, it's a thankless job looking for gigs. It's, mm. it's, it's it's difficult um uh but we'll get that's we'll talk about that next time yeah we'll get you back on and we can talk about it then and fate you know um what 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 do they call it with a um uh a sequel sequel yes <laughs> a sequel. that's exactly what it is so have you got any shows coming up with the band uh, no not we've got, no, not we've got nothing coming up because um we have people going overseas and we have yeah. um uh, you know uh, other things that we've got planned so it, it, and we'll be back into it um sort of late february early march uh, you know we'll uh, we'll be back into it and, and um uh you'll know about it and, and we'll be spreading it around as best we can as yeah. usual well it sounds like you've got a bit of time to get to those uh hundreds of lyrics that you have to attend to might be a good time to get pull those out of the drawer and put I, some music to them and damn. get them ready for the band that was definitely definitely on the program craig definitely right. on the program well bobcrane.com.au that's the place to go bob's on facebook yep ashbury medicine shows on facebook yep. um and uh 
we look forward to seeing you all at the next gig. Absolutely. Uh, and I hope you enjoy um, what Craig's put together here with uh, Fox on the Wire because it's, um, it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's uh, my pleasure to be able to talk to so many talented people, lovely people, and you and being me. one of them for sure. <laughs> so, and uh, I've got a couple of shows coming up in the next couple of weeks, actually. So we've got a friend of mine, uh, Rob Heller, who's, who's a musician, but uh, who also knows he's a big music fan. So I'm gonna, we're going to talk about a lot of that and his experience of going to concerts and, and such. Uh, we've got Brett Frankie coming up on the show as well. And uh, my muso mate from Tasmania, Josh Derno. He's oh, yeah. traveling up to Melbourne for a couple of weeks. Right. So we're going to get him over here and have a chat what he's up to. So thank you, Bob, for coming cool. on the show. Thanks for having me. Hope everyone's enjoyed today's episode. And um, don't forget to check out the Fox on the Wire Spotify playlist. Um, I'll chuck some links in the show notes, as I always do. And don't forget to... Kiss a ginger that you know on Kiss a Ginger Day. Don't forget January that. the 12th. Even if you don't know him, if you see him on the street, you know, <laughs> just go up and give him a kiss and yeah. just, just explain to him that it was just, this is the day for that, you know, and if you don't get arrested, you know. <laughs> just show punched. him some love. <laughs> you show him some love, yeah. you know. All right, Bob, thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you again soon for another episode. Bye. G'day, Bob. How are you? Welcome to Fox on the Wire. Ah, uh, Chris, very good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's blundered from the very beginning, hasn't he? You know, he's blundered from Mr. Fox. Yes. Um, yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thanks for being here. See ya. <laughs>